Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech on your terms. And now on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you really didn't fit in, or you felt like you couldn't speak up, or you really just wanted to hide? I was kind of that child, actually, when I was very small, because I remember every time somebody new would come over and be introduced into my world, I would run for the nearest family member and hide behind their legs. I'm an extrovert now, but what we're going to learn about today is so, so important for anyone who has those feelings of wanting to be a little bit invisible at work, but needing to show up in order to contribute, in order to be seen, in order to be promoted, whatever that might be. Your voice really matters. Your message matters. What you have to offer to the world matters. And if you are an introvert, I applaud you because the world needs introverts and more than ever, we need to hear your voice. Our guest today, Joanna Rawbone, is an expert on introversion and what it means to flourish as an introvert. And I can't wait for this conversation. So Joanna, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled. When we've talked before, it goes on and on and on because there's so much to say about this topic, especially for people in the tech community. We may attract a disproportionate number of introverts in the population into the tech community. And I think they often feel like they don't get heard and that contributes to job dissatisfaction. So without going there right now, what I first would love to do is say, well, what's an introvert like you doing on a platform where we're going to be showing up and you're really going to be sharing your voice and sharing your message? That had to be something that you worked on a bit to get to this point. So I want to hear your story. And what was it that brought you to using stages like this in order to change the world, make it a better place for introverts? That's a great question. And thanks for starting with that. By profession, by career, I'm a change agent. I'm a trainer, coach, facilitator. I've been doing that work since 1987. And it's my passion. I absolutely love it. 
But what I couldn't quite figure out was why I wasn't quite the same as some other people on stage, why they were bigger personalities than me, why they were having more fun. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I found out what was different about me. And that's when I found out I was an introvert, but I didn't know then what to do about it. I only knew that I was different or as I now say, I'm not weird. I'm just wired differently. And I've, for the longest time, actually really been keen, really been committed to serving people, to helping people reach their full potential. And in these last three years, it got to the point where I know the audience that I need to serve are the introverts. And in my TEDx talk, I talked about myself being the voice of the unheard introvert. And that seems so appropriate because for a whole host of reasons, we are not heard. So it's slightly scary to be here. It's also very exciting because I know that passion plus purpose trumps fear any day. So yeah, I'm a bit nervous, but this message needs hearing. And if I'm the vehicle to get that message out there, so be it. That's beautifully said. Let's talk a little bit about introversion, about what it is and what it isn't. You make a point about making sure that we don't conflate shyness with introversion. I'd love you to talk a little bit about that because as I, I just opened the show and I talked about how I used to hide behind the legs of the nearest adult, at least if I knew them. To be honest, I, I tried hiding behind the legs of an adult I didn't know once, and that was quite terrifying. <laughs> but that, that was shyness, actually, not necessarily introversion, because I'm quite an extroverted individual. So can you tell us a little bit about the difference between shyness and introversion, and what is it that makes introversion such an incredibly valuable and important part of every team? Yeah, absolutely. There are a number of things that get conflated with introversion, which ends up with people having completely the wrong misconceptions about what it is. So I'm a Jungian and I always use the Jungian definition of introversion, which his distinction between an introvert and an extrovert is that an introvert recharges their mental batteries quietly because they are already overstimulated mentally. So being in additional stimulation from the external world really puts them into overwhelm quite quickly. Whereas the extrovert, those who identify as an extrovert, require that external stimulation in order to recharge their mental batteries. So the, the challenge that we have in society is that what drains the batteries of one charges the batteries of another and that's why often each can't understand the other fully. So the extroverts can't understand why introverts are happy to stay home, to have a quiet evening in, to read, maybe not even to talk very much to their partner. Whereas an extrovert really craves that external stimulation, the social interaction in order to recharge their batteries. So that's the main distinction, I think, between the introverts and the extroverts. 
And of course, shyness is something entirely different. Shyness is about not being able to put yourself out there, being afraid of something and not necessarily having the self-esteem, self-confidence to do it. Social anxiety is something that is often conflated with introversion. But I know extroverts who have social anxiety. Now, imagine how challenging that is for an extrovert who needs that social interaction in order to recharge their batteries, yet they also experience social anxiety. That is torture, pure torture. And if we're quiet, it's because we're hanging on to the last dregs of our mental battery in order to see us through and maybe starting to recharge. It's not because we're antisocial. It's not because we're stuck up. It's not because we're boring. It's not because we're loners. We are using whatever strategies we can in order to keep our mental batteries at optimum charge. What is the distinction between an extrovert and an introvert in terms of the way they process information and the way that they create things? There's one key difference that we notice in communication for sure, which is that introverts have this think, say, think communication process. So when we're asked a question, we genuinely want to reflect on it, to think it through so that when we answer, it's our true considered answer. The problem with fast paced business right now is that often there's no space in the conversation for us to do our reflection. So by the time we're ready to contribute, the conversation has moved on or people think we had nothing to say in the first place. Extroverts with their communication process, it's say, think, say. So it's almost like a stream of consciousness and they make sense of their words as they're coming out. And sometimes it surprises them to find out what they're thinking. I didn't know that was what I was thinking. But it also means that each of us, certainly the extroverts, are less attached to their viewpoint because it's been this stream of consciousness. Whereas introverts, they've thought it through. It matters. So even challenging the views of an introvert is a, a more heartfelt process because you're challenging something that we've really considered as opposed to something that's just you know popped into our minds. So that's part of what's, what makes us different. And if we think about problem solving, introverts tend to have a more discreet problem solving. So they prefer to go away and do some of that work on their own, then bring it forward for it to be considered along with the more, say, spontaneous creativity or along with the problem solving that's going to happen in the moment. So when we hear organizations talking about Let's have this working out loud process, for instance. It's a nightmare for introverts because actually what they need to do is they need to think it through before they speak it. So often we're tarred with the brush of not having enough to say, not having a viewpoint on things, not contributing enough, when the problem is that the process doesn't allow us to contribute when we're ready to contribute. I would imagine that shows up in people's performance reviews in companies that have a high value placed on that open dialogue and kind of uh, co-creation in the room with everybody together, which is, as you say, a nightmare for introverts. 
but then the feedback comes at a at some point in the future that says you aren't showing up in the room, you don't make your contribution, and they get penalized for being really who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And imagine years or decades of being told to be something you're not. So speak up more, get out of your comfort zone more, push yourself forward more. The long-term effect is that it leaves introverts feeling that they are not enough, not enough being themselves because they're always having to be something else. And it's why so many introverts pretend in order to fit in and get on, but that takes a toll on us in terms of our well-being, our health, in terms of our tendency to overwhelm, to introvert hangover, and even to introvert burnout, and to say nothing of the lack of authenticity that that means we're living our lives with. So it's a miserable place to be when we're having to pretend in order to live up to this extroversion bias. Yeah, then the whole idea that, and this happens to multiple groups, introverts being one of them, and I think one of the groups that is usually overlooked based on experience over the last couple of years, it's not that easy of a conversation to have, but it's a more apparent challenge for us to deal and to talk about, have the conversation about gender diversity and racial diversity and ethnic diversity. But when we're talking about this inner world of introverts and how to make sure that we take advantage of all the gold that they bring to an organization, that really does get overlooked. And so I think there's a couple of things I'd love to explore with you today, like what introverts can do And maybe more importantly, what can the other people in a team or an organization, maybe these days it's on Zoom, what can we do to make sure that we're taking advantage of our introverts among us so that they're not burning up, you know, some percentage of their energy every day, just trying to fit in and trying to figure out how to manage in a extroverted organization? How's that sound? I think there's a couple of things here then. So the first is how can we look after ourselves as introverts? And there's something very important here about making sure that we are recharging those mental batteries whenever we can. So I always think about introverts almost being, imagine them backing into the corner of a room and plugging themselves into a socket and recharging a bit like we do with our phones So introverts tend to charge like that, whereas extroverts, I like to think of them as having a solar panel. And all the time they are in a busy social environment, they are taking in that energy. So the first thing is that introverts need to be aware of their mental battery meter, if you like, so that we're keeping tabs on when we're getting close to having enough. Because what happens when we reach that state of overwhelm and battery depletion is that we check out. We check out mentally. Sometimes we'll check out physically. It's those moments when the lights are on, but nobody's in kind of moment. And that's the moment that the introvert is recharging. So keeping an eye on that battery and then doing things, small things that keep that battery topped up can really help. I use a number of different techniques that I refer to as my brilliant battery boosters. 
And they can be things like, depending on where I am, it can be a bit of movement. So just getting up and moving can, for me, can actually recharge my battery a bit. Listening to some music, aromatherapy oils or smells. So I have a favorite perfume. And if I just raise my wrist to my nose and just smell that, I get an immediate little influx of energy. Lemon is really good for that. It doesn't happen to be the perfume I wear, but it's really good for that. Crystals are really good for energizing. So it's about having a range of techniques that introverts are happy to use, prepared to use in the moment when they feel that battery draining to give themselves that extra boost if they have to keep going. When it comes to how managers, colleagues, leaders can ensure that we are included, we are heard, then it's about really making sure that the environment in which we're working, whether it be a team environment, whether it be over Zoom, whether it be face-to-face, it genuinely is inclusive. And that requires somebody to be a good chairperson. So to notice when people maybe are on the cusp of saying something and somebody cuts across them. One of the things introverts will talk about a lot is that they start speaking and somebody will finish their sentence because, as you may have noticed with me, we can have quite a considered approach to how we speak because we are still just getting that wording right. And sometimes the extroverts in their need for speed can cut us off. They can think that they know what we're going to say, so they'll finish our sentences for us. And of course, that's something that will really discourage us from contributing. It's about not using the pose, pause, pounce approach. And it was something, sadly, that I was taught as a trainer in my formative years where you ask a question, you wait a moment, then you say, Joe, what's your answer to that? Well, that doesn't give us the space we need. So it's about having a process where people contribute when they're ready to, not when they're told to or asked to. So Zoom is great for that because we have the hands up facility. So we can let people know when we want to contribute, when we want to say something. But it's also about the managers, leaders, and in this case, the chair people, understanding that because we're not saying anything doesn't necessarily mean that we're not engaged or that we're not present in the moment. What it means is that Perhaps somebody has already said what we wanted to say because introverts are quite sparing with their contributions and they will certainly speak up if they have something of value to add. But if they don't think it's of value because it's already been said, they're not going to take airtime to just repeat something else. Now, there's a bit of a problem because what we'll often do is we will kind of self-censor so that what we're not doing, we're not contributing when perhaps we should be or could be. So I would love the chair people of meetings to be the ones who say, maybe beforehand, Joe, I, you know, I've noticed that you're one of the quieter people. What can I do that will make sure that when you want to contribute, I'm seeing that you're ready to contribute? The flourishing introverts are those who'll go to the chairperson and say, I've noticed that this is quite hard for me to get my point across in this meeting, to get my a bit of air time. So I'm going to make sure that I deliberately look at you and perhaps raise my hand when I know I have something to say or raise a finger, whatever it happens to be. 
So introverts who hide inside their introversion will stay inside, deep inside their comfort zone. Flourishing introverts will work at the outer edge of their comfort zone, continually expanding it, continually just getting so that they are more and more comfortable with things that perhaps were a little scary earlier on. Because behavior is one thing. Our need is to recharge quietly. I can adopt extroverted behavior whenever I want to, but it comes at a price. It comes at that hangover or even burnout price. I can flex my behavior. We all can. So to say I can't do something because I'm an introvert is frankly just an excuse. There is so much in there. And as an extrovert who totally does all of her thinking out loud (laughs) and off the cuff, I hear a number of things in there that both as a team member and as a leader, I need to be very mindful of. So this is super helpful. What really landed on me was introverts, before they'll even present something, have really thought this through. They found the words they want to use. They've probably edited it in their brain a few times. And then they've presented something that is a complete product. Whereas I can't think that way as an extrovert, and I'm sure other extroverts can identify with this. And if we're not in a room where we've got three or four people and we're sort of what I call throwing spit wads on the wall, trying to figure out what sticks, to an introvert, that's got to look like the most insane process for trying to work something through. But the real danger, I think, and I need to pay real attention to this, is You as an introvert, you representing introverts, give something that's a very considered opinion. For me to come in and just start thinking out loud all over that is very disrespectful, not kind. It doesn't recognize the contribution that you've made and the considered opinion that you've put into even coming forward with what you had to offer. So it's like, hello, extroverts, let's be really mindful to carefully ask questions, I think, tell me if this works from your perspective, but for an extrovert who might dash off into kind of ricocheting off of that very big gift that was just given to the room and start to bounce around with a lot of opinions and thinking out loud, rather than do that, ask some questions. Yeah, that's perfect. And if it could be preceded with just a bit of recognition about, you know, wow, that sounds like you've got that really well thought through. And I'd love to explore a little about what went into your thinking. Perfect, because then it gives us a chance to talk about our thought process, what got us to where we got to, which will then give everyone else in the room the opportunity to say, wow, that's different because I would have seen that quite differently. Now, that then opens it up to the possibility of then being, you know, refined in some way of there being generative ideas around it without, as you say, kind of trampling all over it. That's brilliant. You have something called flourishing introverts. And I think I'd love to see you do something called mindful extroverts. (laughs) Because honestly, that's really what this is. It's a way of being mindful of how we can kind of suck the air out of the room. And it really does cut out 
the contributions of a group of people who we really, truly need to hear from more than we do now, more than we do now, for sure. It does, absolutely. And when you think that the latest stats are about 47% of or up to 47% of the UK population identify as introverts and over 50% of the US population identifies introverts. Wow. We're not talking about insignificant numbers here. So, you know, introverts are amongst us. Now, it does beg the question, are recruitment processes fair or do introverts get weeded out quite early on depending on the role? And that's why I think so many are drawn to kind of STEM roles because it's something that appeals to them, that independent working that ability to, you know, problem solve on their own is is usually quite appealing. But there's so much unconscious bias embedded in daily practices and processes in organizations that introverts are battling with daily. So I love the idea of mindful extroverts. But at the heart of this, this is about the real diversity, equity and inclusion agenda. You know, this is about understanding what makes us different we're not weird, we're wired differently. Let's understand that different wiring so that what we can do is respect value and benefit from each other's perspectives rather than treat each other as aliens. Yeah, it strikes me as it's a language barrier in some ways. But if I think about it in the context of I have a room full of people who come from different cultural backgrounds who may or may not have English as a primary language. And we need to work together as a team. We have to take the time to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to be contributing and to be heard. And I think we have not paid as much attention to that in the introversion space as in others. So, yeah, I'm just kind of imagining how painful that has been over the last couple of decades for people in the technology environment who do have so much to add and have a real sense that management isn't listening because, and frankly, they're not. They're not asking their opinion in a way that is allowing them to express it. It would be as if someone spoke a different language and they were a subject matter expert and had all the solutions to your problems. And you said, well, if you can't tell it to me in the English that I understand, then I'm not going to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many introverts frustrated by the fact that they have masses of potential that is unnoticed because they're not pushing themselves forward, because they don't always speak up, because they don't always put themselves at the front of the queue, often that's misinterpreted as they lack ambition. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, introverts can be as ambitious as anybody else, but we go about it in a quiet fashion. We rather hope that our work will speak for itself. But of course, oftentimes it doesn't. We need to be our own best PR and spokesperson. And so part of what we do at Flourishing Introverts is enable the introverts to flourish without pretending to be something they're not by identifying their strengths, owning them and playing to them wherever possible. And that makes a massive difference. Well, I know you do this work professionally with organizations. Can you talk specific techniques that you use in organizations to help them recognize and encourage 
the contributions that introverts can make? I have a consulting process that I use with most organizations when we're starting out, which is to first of all, to identify where the unconscious bias sits in their everyday practices and processes. By some observation, by some focus groups, we get to unearth that fairly quickly. And most of it is unconscious. Some of it is conscious because I remember talking to one manager who very openly said to me, Joe, I just find it easier to talk to those people that I can, you know, have some banter with and, and have a real laugh with. And yes, it is easier because sometimes what they don't realize is that introverts love deep and meaningful conversations. Give us a big, fat, juicy topic to get our teeth into and we can chatter on like I am here. We can chatter on for ages. What we're not so comfortable with is the small talk because it doesn't seem to be value add anywhere. So one of the things we need to do is uncover and surface that unconscious bias and where it's conscious, then surface that too, before we then start to put in place education programs, training programs, where we're making some changes to those things, be it the recruitment and development processes or promotion processes, be it the way team meetings are run, the way problem-solving meetings happen. And then what we do is we make sure that we embed that learning so that people don't slip back into old habits because humans being humans, of course, if we've got a, a path well-traveled, we'd rather use that habit than, than start with the new one. So it's just a really neat process that makes sure that we address the issues and make sure they stick so that there's return on investment for anything financially invested but also the introverts start to know that they are valued, that they matter, and that their contribution can be capitalized on. Are you aware of any statistics or, or do you use any kind of a carrot for management that says this is the net add to the organization? I mean, it's the right thing to do, obviously. Everything relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion is the right thing to do. But is there some also net add and net boost to productivity and innovation by virtue of making sure all voices get heard? I would imagine there is. Yeah, there is. It tends to be kind of organization dependent or organization specific. So it's hard to generalize, but things like retention rates are improved, engagement rates are improved. Things like problem solving actually of, of getting to the root cause of a problem are improved rather than just using the presenting issue, fixing that and putting a sticking plaster on. So there are a number of different measures that, that we look at depending on the type of organization. Wow. I want to try to get to some of the, the core issues that I see in my work that is affecting the inclusion in the workplace in tech. And one of them is the recruitment process. You've kind of alluded to it already, but we have a recruitment process, in my opinion, that is in many places very broken. And it selects out diverse clients by sending a message that it's not an inclusive community that they're being hired into or being recruited for. So what are some of the recruitment practices that you're aware of that could be adjusted? How could they be adjusted to make it more friendly for introverts? I think it's about if there's a, a lengthy recruitment process where there clearly would be a number of candidates being considered, it's about making sure that there are introvert 
friendly processes built in there as well as the extrovert friendly ones. So let's take assessment centers, for instance. Quite often there will be, you know, a group task where you have something to discuss and there are a bunch of assessors around the edge. And I've heard from them that they are marking down people who don't contribute very much. So what they're doing is they're marking based on not quality, but quantity of contribution. I'd like to see that change to begin with, to have it be that it's quality of contribution, not just who says the most and who speaks the loudest, but who is maybe the one who's sitting back quietly, who all of a sudden says, I've noticed that we haven't heard anything from Joe, and I'm really interested to hear whether she has a perspective on this that might give us some insight. So something that, you know, that is more about team focus, because I'm fascinated how our recruitment processes are geared up to those who really shine and kind of push themselves forward. And then when they get into the workplace, we start giving them feedback that actually they're being too domineering or they're not taking account of of other people's views. So let's start to address that right away in recruitment. If we're doing some kind of a discussion task with them, have a task where what they're doing is they're then writing a reflective report based on what was the process that people went through? What did they notice during that discussion? Because that will get a very different output from the introverts who tend to be the good listeners and the people who are noticing what's going on. So you'll start to see those differences come through. And let's face it, we need people who are not just good at doing the talking, but are good at doing the assimilating and the really kind of pulling things together and moving things forward. So I think it's about building in equitable tasks. So a bit of each so that everyone gets a chance to shine so that it's not so biased towards the extroverts in that process. I think it's then about having skilled interviewers. I remember myself, and it's been quite a while since I've had an interview. I've been running my own business for too long, I guess. But I remember the time where I was asked a question and I genuinely kind of almost sat back in my chair to think about the answer. And one of the interviewers immediately started scribbling on their notepad. And I thought, I wonder what they're making a note of. So that put me on edge then rather than them remaining attentive to what it was I was I was going to be responding and maybe even observing me in my process. They just immediately, by my assessment, started to make some judgments about the fact I hadn't spoken up or hadn't answered very quickly. So I think it's about, you know, giving people time to reflect. I've got to say also, though, that comes down to the introvert being prepared to say at some point, that's a really great question and one that I'd like to give just a moment or two's thought to because there are a number of different answers I could provide here and I want to think about which is the best one in this moment. Now, that's what I call a placeholder. All the while I'm saying those words, I'm frantically thinking about what is my response. But what it's doing is it's just keeping my place in that conversation. It's keeping it open so that I don't get judged in that way. There are a number of different things and it also starts from the screening process as well. If people are using agencies, for instance, to screen people out, it's about having them be aware of 
the different types of communication that we have. But I think, you know, predominantly it's about ensuring that we're allowing people with that think, say, think process to have a fair interview, to really give of the best of themselves in that process. This has been very eye-opening and helpful. I hope those who are listening, I would love to hear your feedback about that. Joanna would love to hear your feedback, I'm sure, as well, because this is a big issue in all of our organizations. And I've had, I would say, mostly introverts in my organization. And I guess maybe I need to send out the blanket apology of not being a mindful extrovert. And I'm going to really absorb this and think about it and try to slow down, you know, enough. It's not really that I'm slowing down. It's that I'm taking the time to be mindful about how to make sure we bring out the best of everybody in the room and not get caught up in the pace. And it's like a pinball in a pinball machine a little bit. You eventually get to the hole in the bottom of the machine, but you're bouncing all around the place on the way there. And I'm doing that right now. (laughs) But the idea of being able to slow down that process and make room for extroverts in the in the room as well, but make sure that everybody understands that we're getting the best from everyone. And I guess enrolling the whole room and trying to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's you're right, it's not about slowing down, it's about creating space. And I think that's the thing to do is to to create space because introverts naturally are quite calm. They have a very calming influence on the world around them. We don't do conflict. We're not really into that. We don't really do drama. So, you know, we're a very calming presence to have around, which is, you know, also comes from when we create space, when we take some of the frenetic out of a a particular process or situation. That's so helpful. I think a lot of us extroverts could learn from, you know, just that holding space process. It was a it was a lesson I needed to learn as a chaplain. And it's not a natural act <laughs> for an extrovert, but definitely something that is worth remembering that this is not about slowing down the process. Actually, it's about speeding up the process and making the room for everybody to contribute. And that's going to make everything go faster. Absolutely. Sometimes it pays to go slow now to go faster later on. I agree. Exactly. Wow, this has been very helpful. Joanna, I'd love for people to know how to get a hold of you, where they can see your TEDx talk, and how to connect with you for more information about what you do and, and how to work with you. Of course. Yeah, thank you. So, my website is just all the W's flourishing com, And there you'll find my podcast. There you'll find my TEDx talk, my musings, the, you know, the people I work with and, and uh, how I like to work with people and also the introvert questionnaire. So I've got a questionnaire which helps people understand what type of introvert they are because we're not all the same. And, you know, just because I like to recharge quietly I may not be a classic introvert. I may be a dynamic or an engaging or an open introvert. So it's really helpful for people to get that sense of the type of introvert they are so that they can really own and play to their strengths. And of course, people can find me on LinkedIn as well. 
That's oh, that's lovely. Thank you for that. I have one more question I need to ask you because you mentioned this before we started recording the show, and now I need to ask. So you mentioned something about the effed off bucket. Yeah. The effed off bag. Yeah. Just before starting this, I'd just been recording a riff with a colleague of mine and we riff every week and it's called the Sojo Riffs because she's Sophie, I'm Joanna. And the Sojo Riffs are every week, one of us will pull out something from our effed off bag I happen to have a very boring gray canvas bag here that I pull stuff out of. Sophie has a, in fact, this week it was a Chanel bag that she might have pulled stuff out of. And we just take it in turns to riff about the things that have got our backs up, the things that have riled us up. And this week it happened to be something from my bag. And the way we work together, it was a bit like, supervision, a bit like counseling, a bit like coaching, but it was very cathartic. And we both find it incredibly useful. And the things that both of us pull out of our bags are things that we encounter, you know, daily, weekly, monthly in our places of work, in our relationships, in our social situations. So this week, mine was feedback and people saying they don't have time to give feedback. So that was what was in my effed off bag this week. I think that's something we all need to adopt. Do you do an episode on how to take advantage of having an effed off bag and using that? We're still in the early stages. So we've recorded about five of these and we're next going to record the kind of introduction. And I think that would be a wonderful introduction is the purpose of an effed off bag and the benefit from revealing what's in it rather than just squirreling things away in there and burying them deep underneath everything else. Right. And what's the criteria for going in the effed off bag? It's, I think this would be brilliant. When you do that, please let me know. I would love to hear more. And if you get on Clubhouse, yeah, we need to do a room together. Yeah, I know. You've talked about this before. And in terms of the criterion, there is nothing that there's no criteria for what goes in your effed off bag other than if it's effed you off, it goes in the bag. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Oh, thank you for your time today. This has been very illuminating. It's been inspiring. It's been encouraging. I would love to challenge everybody out there to find their path to being a mindful extrovert and to cherish and also hold up and make space for all of the flourishing introverts in your community. We'll all get where we're going to a good place much faster if that's what we do together. So thank you very much, Joanne. I just appreciate this and have really enjoyed my time with you this morning. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it too. That's it for today's show. Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast is part of the ecosystem of knowledge sharing and affordable group coaching to help reverse the trend of women leaving tech and to help diverse women in male-dominated industries get the visibility, opportunities, and compensation they deserve. Be sure to check out our five-day challenge by visiting us online at createyourleadingedge.com. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back again next week. Be well, stay strong, and remember, be an ally.